Greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I am your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode. Well, that's a little bit different. I guess it's only different in that uh, our guest is Kevin Tipple, and I've known Kevin for going on 20 years and uh, have wanted to get him on the show since uh, it first started, uh, and he finally agreed to come on. So... Uh, it's an open and shut episode with blogger and reviewer and author Kevin Tipple. Uh, now before we get to talk to Kevin, uh, I do want to let you know that wrong place, right crime is proudly sponsored by down and out books. Down and out books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction. Most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something you'd like, you can check out their website at downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right, well, as I said, I've known Kevin for a long time. I first met him uh, while tooling around the short story crime fiction internet world, sort of the the online community surrounding the publications and websites and forums and, you know, those things back in the day, you know. Uh, but Kevin has a, a popular review site called uh, Kevin's Corner. He's a past president and active member of the Short Fiction Mystery Society, uh, and an author in his own right. So, uh, you know, I waited 20 years almost to talk to Kevin in person. I won't keep you waiting quite that long. We'll get right to it. Well, hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Hi, Frank. So this has been a long time coming. Uh, you and I have known each other online uh, in, in virtual circles for, gosh, uh, at least 15 years. Decades. Yeah, at least. Decades. I think the first book I read of yours was because I was writing a review for Tony Burton's Crime and Suspense zine mm -hmm, way yeah. back a long time ago when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that, there's a lot of folks that I, I came in contact then that uh, that I've managed to stay friends with. And of course, you know, some, some people fall by the wayside. But uh, I first met John Floyd during that time period as well. Um, it's kind of the halcyon days of, of crime fiction short stories for me. Um, and so I think if folks think of you, probably the thing they think of first is your well-known review blog, Kevin's Corner, where you review crime fiction. So how did, how did Kevin's Corner start? Um, well, I had an idea. Back in the day, we're talking decades ago, when I started book reviewing, PJ Nunn gave me an opportunity and brought me into book reviewing. And over the years, I got the idea that maybe I should just do my own blog. And put my reviews on there and go from there. The, the ultimate goal had been to write for the Dallas Morning News as a book reviewer, but we all know what's been happening with newspapers. And so it ended up, I, I the blog got bigger and bigger. I never got a paid review gig, which is a crime against humanity. <laughs> um, and these days I'm, I'm, I'm mainly, I don't do horror. I, 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 real life has always been hard enough and scary enough going back to childhood. I never understood the idea of getting scared for fun. Okay. So I don't do carnival rides. 
I don't, even before my heart condition, I didn't like to fly. I think there's something mentally wrong with people who like to jump out of perfectly good airplanes. And as far as books go, I don't do horror. I don't do big pharma's hiding the cure for cancer because I don't believe that nonsense. If I have a bias, it's toward police procedurals. I, I very much like police procedurals because way back in the day, I thought I was going to be a cop and that didn't ever happen. Um, I like crime fiction. I like mysteries. I like thrillers that are interesting. I tend to stay away from books that will leave you breathless because I like to breathe. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I know what I like. And, and, and Kevin's Corner is, is about what I like. Occasionally, I don't do this as often as I used to. Being a reviewer in my case, because I used to write, I haven't been writing anything new of my own the last several years, um, and most people know why, so we won't go into that. Um, back when I was first starting, I would I would write a negative review, and I think there's two, I think a negative review and a bad review are two totally different things. And I see a lot of authors say, "Oh, I got a bad review," and it's no, you didn't get a bad review. It was grammatically correct. It was well written. It articulated the thought. It just said your book sucked and you're annoyed. A negative review does that. It doesn't make it a bad review. I used to write a lot more negative reviews than I do now. I do it now and then when I think it's appropriate or needed, but I don't do it that often. A lot of times those books just don't get read now. I, I pull the trigger quicker on stopping to read because I'll be 60 in a couple of weeks and life's hard enough as it is. I don't need to keep slogging through a book I'm not caring for. I have probably a thousand, probably more than a thousand, quite frankly, now that I think about it, just in print books to be read here that various authors have sent me and publishing houses and whatnot have sent me over the years. And then, of course, I would do what I do through the, li the local library. I'm in the Dallas library system these days. I use the Lockwood branch for those in the area. And you can see me usually in the middle of each week over there, wandering around with my cane, trying not to fall down. So, you know, right now I've got 30 books from the library and there's three more to go pick up, including Archer Mayer's new one, which I'm really looking forward to. So I've got plenty to read. And so I pull the trigger a lot quicker. And that's not even talking about what's on my ebook thing. And, and that's this is why the Daleks have not attacked the Earth. My ebook pile is keeping the Daleks away. <laughs> you know, you make a good point, circling back a little bit to the difference between a negative review and a bad review. To me as an author, a bad review is uh, an unfair one. Uh, and what I oh, mean, yes, absolutely. I guess, and what I mean by that, and maybe I, I'd be curious to hear if, if you have a different definition. Um, I mean, if you're reviewing the book, well, I've had a couple where they're not even reviewing the book that they did the review for. So that's bad enough. Right. Um, and Amazon won't even fix those, which is frustrating. But, uh, you know, if, if you're reviewing a book that tells you, Hey, I'm a hard boiled noir rated R book and then you go on and complain because it's not a disney you know yes. fairy tale book i don't think that's fair um 
And, and that, and so to me, that's a bad review. Uh, a negative review is, you know, I, I went in to read a, a hard boiled noir rated R book and I didn't like it because this character was poorly written or this writer can't write or the story was unbelievable or the ending sucked or, I mean, these are all fair, even if they're negative. And I'll take negative reviews because one thing that a negative review, as opposed to a bad review, does is it if you're a cozy reader and you read that this is a super bloody, you know, sex-filled uh, fight fest, you're not going to pick up the book. And that's good because you're not going to like it. And you're, then you're going to leave another negative review if you did pick it up and start to read it. So I'm, I'm fine with that. That's fair. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on that fair uh, negative versus bad? Oh, I agree totally. I, I don't put the people who don't know what they were reading because they didn't read the description properly and are shocked, shocked that there's gambling in this establishment or the officer used the F word in the first three sentences. I think, I think of those as idiot reviews. <laughs> and so there's like, you know, negative reviews, bad reviews, and then the idiot reviews. And those people, they can articulate, I, I don't see them as, as bad reviews per se, simply because some people can write a very well-written review totally off base. They're just completely missing the book and the point. Of course, I, I recognize the fact that as a reviewer, I'm brilliant when I like the book and the author is thrilled and I totally got it. <laughs> and then when I didn't like the book, I'm a flaming sack of you know what or, you know, a raving moron. There's a couple of authors that just have hated my guts for decades now. And every now and then they will appear on Amazon under a comment saying, you know, ignore this fool. Um, which, you know, okay, but shouldn't you be working on your new book instead of worrying about what I said 10 years ago on um, one book? I also don't really care. And one of the reasons I do this is, is put them on my own blog first before I put them anywhere else. I don't like the whole idea uh, at Amazon where you can write three sentences and that constitute a review by, you know, authors are saying, oh, yeah, just, just, you could say it's the best book ever, and that's a review. No, it's not. It's not even. It's not even a comment, really. But okay, fine. Do what you do. But at least Amazon in the last couple of years, and I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Amazon, but they are the the giant gorilla we all have to deal with in various ways. At least they're taking those reviews when somebody said, it's the best book ever. I love everything this author ever writes. You've got to read this. That's the review. At least they're taking those and kind of weighing them downward in the system and giving somebody, and I'm not even saying put me up in, with everybody else, but at least take the folks who are taking some time and some effort and some thought into what they're saying, whether they're saying three paragraphs or 15 paragraphs, and, and put those ahead of the people that do the one, two, three sentence review, quote unquote, comment about a book, because those people don't matter as much, in my opinion, as the people who put some effort to it. Yeah, you're talking about your Vine voice people and the, the top 500 reviewer type of things and, and so forth. I will say as an author, 
I don't mind the, you know, here's four stars, here's five stars, whatever you rate it. Here's two or three sentences. I liked it. I liked it for this reason. I, I mean, I think those are fine. Um, and I, but I do agree with you weighing the more measured, more critical review, uh, more heavily is, is only fair. Writing a blog and reviewing books, um, it, you know, is one part of, of the, uh, public Kevin Tipple. And, and I, I gotta say it is very much appreciated by writers, but you're not just a reviewer. Uh, you also are a writer and you tend to, and you gravitate towards the short fiction, um, genre. Uh, in fact, that's, I, I think pretty early on, that was where we interacted the most. And that is in the, uh, short mystery fiction society. I guess it used to be a newsletter and then a forum. And now it's a primarily an email list on groups IO. And then there's also the short mystery fiction society blog. And you've been pretty involved in that over the years, serving as an officer, um, on the board and so forth. And for folks who aren't aware of the Short Mystery Fiction Society, I mean, they give out a very prestigious award. The Derringer. Which is awarded for? The best in various for, uh, length forms of crime fiction writing. Um, and it's not the actual gun. I had somebody walk up to me at BoucherCon when it was here in Dallas. My first and probably only BoucherCon to attend. And I was, I was president at that time. And I was going to hand out medals. Uh, the Derringer medals to the award winners that were in attendance. Um, this is late November 2019, if I've got my years right. And a person walked up to me and said that they were extremely concerned because they did not think it was appropriate that we were actually giving guns, the Derringer pistols, to people. And where'd they get that? I idea? don't know. I don't know, but as somebody who grew up on Monty Python, the willpower it took for me not to g come back with one of my sarcastic answers, you don't know how hard I hurt myself that day <laughs> because it was just, and, and she was absolutely dead serious. And that, you know, she, we need to do background checks and license things and whatnot. We should not be shipping guns with ammunition across state lines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She gave me a five-minute rant, and I stood there and took it. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with that. But, yes, there's, they, they, they give out an award each year. Um, One of the things that uh, is a little different about this award is that the finalists are chosen, and there's five in each of the four categories based on length of the story they're chosen uh, via blind judging yes it's 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 blind judging though of course there's there's certain people you recognize when you read a while and sure. and, and, and the judge the judges usually are folks that have read quite a bit it's blind judging in the sense that there's no name on the thing mm -hmm. but when you've read a, a while you're going to be, you're going to be able to p figure out pretty good. It's like the late Earl Staggs, okay, who was a, a good friend of mine, and he was also part of my local writers group back in the day. And it was a great thing. I wish I'd, I'd worked harder at the time on on my own writing. It's one of those things when you're in the middle of it and you're doing it, you think it's going to last forever, and then things happen, and and both for me personally and. and People aren't with us anymore, unfortunately. And mm -hmm. Earl Staggs, I, I guarantee you, you could have, even if I'd never seen the story before, 
if it had come to me in blind judging, I'm going to know this is an Earl Staggs story. Can I explain how I knew? No, I really can't. It's just it's just word choice and, and whatnot. And you start reading and you're going, I know Earl Staggs wrote that. I know Michael Bracken wrote that. Mm-hmm. There's certain authors that you mm-hmm. can, you can kind of, when you read a lot, even if you don't know who it is, you recognize it. And you may not know how you recognize it, but you recognize it. All that said, and real quickly, uh, Earl Staggs' Memory of a Murder, great book, folks. Check Absolutely. It, check it out. It's, I still Absolutely. have a copy laying around here somewhere that he gave me years ago. Fantastic gentleman. Um, but e- even though, yes, you recognize the person's writing or, you know, it could be part of a recognizable series. I mean, Dave Zeltzerman has a popular uh, Ar- uh, Archie series, I believe, uh, yes. uh, that that has won a, a couple of uh, different awards. So you're going to know it's, you know, Dave Z. And, and so, but that said, I always felt like those, those few times in my career where I was a finalist, I always felt a little validated because you know that they were you know, blind judged and that at least to some of the judges, it was truly blind on that instance. Uh, and then of course it's, you know, just everybody votes that's a member and is eligible, uh, on one of the five finalists. So short mystery fiction society, a pretty supportive group for the most part, uh, a group that, uh, uh, has a lot of different uh, folks in it, but they tend to be very supportive of each other's successes. And in terms of finding, uh, different, uh, markets for short stories, which have, you know, ebbed and flowed over time. In fact, um, you uh, are partial to a couple of them when we were talking offline here. Uh, Mystery Mag is one that you really like. In fact, uh, you had one in Mystery Mag uh, in 2021, I believe. Right. Um, It used to be, Mystery Magazine has just retitled themselves. Um, They used to be called Mystery Weekly Magazine. I I don't know. They published... um, the damn rodents are everywhere, which was a story I was working on um, pretty much the last year my wife was alive. It was spawned by by seeing a bunch of pest control trucks when we were going down to Medical City Dallas Hospital for her chemo. And we rolled up on an intersection one morning and there was about 19 different pest control trucks <laughs> at the four-way stoplight, all in different rows of, of traffic. And it was a quite the visual morning because so many of them, at least a dozen of them, had some sort of rodent on the side of it. And I looked at my wife and said, the damn rodents are everywhere. And she said, that needs to be a story title. And over time, it was a story that came about. Um, it bounced around a lot and nobody would take it. And after she passed, I I would send it out like about once a year. I haven't been doing very much. And I sent it to Mystery Weekly magazine, and they ran it in their May issue. Um, Folks who have read it seem to really like it. And now Mystery Weekly magazine is now Mystery Magazine. And I don't know if I'm responsible for the name change, like it's a witness protection type thing, (laughs) and and they're trying to keep it going because there's so many markets that I wrote for over the years and I would be published in either their last issue and then they suddenly folded or they were publishing me in the next to last issue. Mm -hmm. So hopefully mystery magazine can survive having published me back in May. (laughs) They seem to be going okay. And so I think of it as a witness protection situation. 
They rebranded to survive is what you're saying, huh? That's what I'm saying. I, I think they had the, you know, God, we published tipples and now we have to do this, you know. And they're in Canada. I mean, they're based out of Canada. So, you know, they've got, they had the border closed and now the borders are being reopened. So they may be in real trouble from irate people in the U.S. who read the story and think they need to burn down the building or something. I don't know. Well, you mentioned uh, having had been published elsewhere previously and ultimately, you've, you've collected all of those short stories into a single volume called Mind Slices. Tell me about that a little bit. I put together, it's, it's a short story collection. One of the problems I had when I was submitting different places was, and I don't do this intentionally, um, I never watched The X-Files. I never watched The Twilight Zone. Uh, but apparently... A lot of my stuff seems to kind of cross genres. And, and so it's a mystery with a supernatural or paranormal element. And it's not something I want, to, I, I intend to do. It's just something that happens when I'm writing. And so I would get rejections. I mean, some of the stuff got published in, in like fantasy or science fiction magazines that would run a mystery story here and there. Um, and, and then there was other stuff that was more they mainly published fiction, but every now and then they would run a, a, a mystery slash weird stuff type story, and that was me. And so I collected both some published things and some unpublished things at that time and put them together and, and came out with Mind Slices, which also I used as a cover image. I had help from Barry Ergang, who made the, the cover and whatnot for it, um, has an MRI of my brain um, from 2011, which proves to everybody who says I don't have a brain, there is visual <laughs> proof that I actually do have a brain. Now, this that doesn't prove it works, but it proves that there is stuff in the head between the ears. And or that makes at least surprise there, At least there was in 2011. <laughs> there, there was in 2011. I don't know what shape it is these days. Well, you call that storytelling affliction genre versatility, which is a, a pretty good label. I'm I'm good with that that label. It, 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 I would get a lot of rejection letters that said we really like this. It's just not quite right for us. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes they would suggest another market, and it would go, it, it, and and I'd send it there. And sometimes that other market took it, and sometimes they didn't. You can see some of this stuff. With, I mean, it's in the book, but also some of my my stuff is up on Medium. I'm now on Medium. There's one story called The Walk, uh, which is more straight crime fiction deal um, set at a Texas prison, a mythical Texas prison in a real life southwestern Texas on Modern Mayhem Online, which is hosted by Graham Powell on Medium. And then I have some of my stuff up there and it's basically a free to read thing, though, you know, tips are welcome on on Medium under my name, Kevin R. Tipple. And then Mind Slices is available on Amazon and elsewhere uh, in ebook form and paperback. And smash words, you know. Um, Circling back to your blog, uh, which is how most people know you, um, if somebody wanted to get their book reviewed on Kevin's Corner, how difficult is that? I mean, how backed up are you? How selective (sighs) are you? I am so backed up. It's not funny. So I won't make a Metamucil joke. Um, it, I, I'm extremely backed up. I'm not saying no. 
but it, there's a lot of people who come to me and say, hey, you know, can you read my book? It's out next week. Uh, yeah, I can read it, but I can't mm-hmm. I can't promise you a review anytime soon. I mean, I should not be your marketing strategy at this point. OK, <laughs> I mean, it, it helps if I have plenty of lead time. I'm, I'm crime fiction of all types. Nothing horror. I don't do, even though apparently I have a twinge of it in my own writing, I don't do supernatural type stuff. I mean, for example, everybody loves Stephen King. Okay. I read the new one, the, the Billy Summers. I read it because I think his crime fiction is really good. I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. I hated the ending. Um, I understood the ending. I understood from an author standpoint why we went that way. But I didn't like the ending. Isn't that uh, the knock on King that a lot of people have is they don't like his endings. That, that tends to be a, a, a theme in a lot of his books. I, I've heard this a lot. And, and like I said, I, I don't read his horror stuff. So I, I have no idea how he is in the horror books. I understood from, from a writing standpoint. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's one of the problems I have as a reviewer. And I'm not saying I'm the end all be all of a writer. But there'll be times I'm reading a book and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. No, you should have done it this way, dude. And so I, I understand totally why he did the ending he did. But as a reader, I was like, Ugh, no, no, don't do this. And I'm not going to tell you what the ending is because I don't want to spoil the book. And that's one thing I tried to do with my reviews. No spoilers. That's the other kind of review I hate. I, I, I got a nice five-star review the other day for Waste Deep that basically – might as well have been the uh, Sparks Notes version of it. You know? That that drives me nuts. I, I try very hard not to go read. And, and, and the good thing about my mind at this stage is I can read a review of a book today. And, I, and if I read the book a month from now, I won't remember the review. <laughs> okay. But there's, there's a certain group of, of quote unquote reviewers or readers or whatever you want to label them that will detail the entire book. And there's there's no point in reading the book now because you have gone and told me every doggone thing that happened, including the fact that she ran out at 2 in the morning for toilet paper and came back to somebody being in her house. I mean, you know, it's like, no, don't tell me everything. And there's that, that group of, of reviewers or people who post those things drives me nuts because it's, it, there's no point. What I try to do when I when I read a book and, and write the review. And I write everything out in longhand. And then my, my son, Scott, types it up for me. And then we go clean up my what he typed. Because I have, as my mom used to say back in the day, the worst handwriting she had ever seen. And I should be a doctor. Because <laughs> I, I, my handwriting is just horrible. And so what, he, what I wrote and what he thinks I wrote can often be the equivalent of somebody standing on earth and somebody standing on Pluto. I mean, it's just, it's just beyond belief, but I write everything out longhand. And when I do a review and I do anthologies and short story collections differently, but when I'm doing a book review, I try to take it to the original initial premise. When you read my reviews, you'll see that much. Sometimes I briefly mention the secondary storylines. When you have a police procedure or something where you have multiple things going on in, in, in a primary and an almost primary, but it's really a secondary storyline. If you sometimes say too much about the secondary storyline, 
that affects the initial primary storyline and you're giving away too much. Mm -hmm. And so when you see my reviews, a lot of times I may not even mention the secondary storylines at work because I don't want to telegraph out too much in the review. I think that's a great policy. It's one of the reasons why I like your reviews as, as a reader and certainly as an author when, when you've reviewed my work. Um, I, I, giving everything away just blows my mind why people oh, would, want, would want to do that. Circling back to the Stephen King comment there, um, a lot of people really didn't like his ending to uh, his Dark Tower series. I actually did, but that's pretty controversial. But he did write one of the best endings to any of his books in 112263, which is a great historical novel slash sci-fi. It's actually right up your alley. I don't know if you read that one. I have not read that one. I'm not a big historical fiction guy. Yeah, it, it, you don't have to be uh, if you if you dig the idea of time travel at all, um, and if you dig the idea of uh, cause and effect and and so forth. But mostly relationships. That's what's make, what makes it such a good book. And the ending is uh, probably the best ending to any of his, his books. So a little rabbit hole there for our Stephen King fans in the audience. Um, for our Kevin Tipple fans. Uh, All what, four of you. <laughs> and as the old joke goes, and, and only because everybody took brought a plus one with them, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, for those folks out there who were like, all right, I've already read Mind Slices. I, I, I've got your, your blog uh, bookmarked or subscribed. What's next? What's next? Is there, is there, are there short stories coming? Is there another collection perhaps on the horizon? Uh, are you just going to continue with the blog? Uh, do you have any concrete plans? I don't have any concrete plans other than to keep the blog going. I'm a very slow reader these days for variety of reasons so it takes time i'm welcoming guests and, and people who would like to be um, posting excerpts of their books on, on the blog and, and whatnot and i'm open to anything i mean I, I know there's people who welcome guests and they say okay but it can't be erotica it can't be kids books it can't be this or that or the other thing i'm op i'm pretty much open to everything so if there's somebody out there who is thinking of doing some reviews, isn't sure if they want to do their own blog or not, uh, this would be a great place for them to, you know, test their chops out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to have more people come on. And, and I, I do a couple of different things. Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays are the open days. On Sundays, I tend to put excerpts from people. Excerpts, like, you know, I've got a short story in whatever, and they and they do, you know, the story is 4,000 words, and they're putting 1,000 up on the blog. Or somebody's got a new book out, and they're doing the first chapter. Sundays work really well for excerpts. They work far better than any other day of the week. And so I put, I put excerpts on Sundays. I would love to have more folks come and contribute to that, as well as contribute book reviews. Jeannie of the book blog of the Bristol Library comes on in fact she'll be on twice in, in the month of november on thursdays um tomorrow as we're recording this actually is the first one um she's on a, on a semi-regular basis um she's a reference librarian at, at that library and in, in full disclosure she has started running some of my stuff on her deal as is lisa holstein who does lisa's book critiques out of ohio Beyond the wall, as we say about Texas and Oklahoma, she's way up north in Ohio. She's a wonderful person. I got to meet her at BoucherCon finally, 
here when it was here in Dallas. And she runs Lisa's book critiques. And she has used some of my reviews on her thing. She calls it Kevin's Annex um, and has put some of my reviews on there. Um, and I always link to her. I link to Jim Nesbitt does reviews. I've linked to his. But I would love to have some folks come by either on a regular or semi-regular basis and do book reviews. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. And it also helps me from the standpoint is I'm just a lot slower reading and reviewing and, and doing things these days. You know, as a writer, I really appreciate those folks who do thoughtful reviews. Uh, they can be positive or negative, but thoughtful reviews really make a difference. So if you're out there and you think it might be something you want to try, or if you're an author who wants to do some promoting, uh, excerpting or other uh, uh, review stuff, this sounds like a great opportunity Kevin, you mentioned um, uh, BoucherCon, and, and the one regret I have for that Dallas trip, which was really actually a pretty great BoucherCon for me, is that I found out later on that you were there and that we weren't able to meet up after knowing you for uh, going on 20 years and uh, missing out on the great opportunity to raise a glass. Uh, uh, that's my one regret from uh, BoucherCon Dallas. I don't know how we missed each other there. I... I... I think I may have seen you once wandering off down the hall. And obviously everybody who's not on the cane like I am can move way quicker. And I think I yelled at your retreating back. But um, oh, no. I, 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 I think <laughs> now, I did. I'm now, not sure. Now it sounds like I was ducking you. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm not saying you were, but I'm not saying you weren't. Um, yeah. But yes, I, I, I was very bummed. Um, because I wasn't sure. I, I At the time, I don't know if I knew for sure it was you or not. I thought it was you, but I wasn't sure. Um, it was very, for me, that was my first BoucherCon and probably the only one, though. If I'm still kicking, and maybe there's a shot at New Orleans in 2025. Maybe. That, you know, and I might win the lottery. It was, it was a real shock to me to be at BoucherCon and have so many people walk up to me and they knew who I was. Before I opened my mouth and said who I was. I mean, one of the people, Lawrence Block. Lawrence Block walks up to me and says, hello, Kevin Tipple. Nice to meet you. I'm Lawrence Block. Holy cow. Okay. That's awesome. Restart my heart. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, you know, soak it in. You soak it I, in, man. That's incredible. I mean, I was, I was just stunned. And, and and he was one of half a dozen people that were like that, that were huge names, that, that were and are huge names. And, you know, and I'm like, I meet them and then they walk off and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, fanboy time. Cause it, I mean, the Lord's block, good grief. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I said hello to him and shook his hand and my first one in St. Petersburg. And I was just, you know, one of those 800,000 people that have done that. And then he was very gracious, but there was no, clearly, obviously there's no recognition of, of me as anything other than a fan. And uh, uh, for him to know who you are and to approach you and call you by name, I mean, that's, that's an incredible story, Kevin. It's well-earned. I think... Uh, 
you may be surprised by the uh, amount of regard that people have for you in the crime fiction community, but um, I'm here to tell you, you shouldn't be, you know, you've been a presence for a long time and uh, the work that you do is, is thoughtful and insightful and fair. And so I, I think people really appreciate that. Thank you, sir. I, 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 I'm stunned that anybody wants to hear anything I have to say or read anything I have to say. I don't think I'm all that, but I, I was recently at North the Bar Dallas and, and got to read a couple of my pieces there. And I had people walking up to me afterwards, as they did at BoucherCon, saying, basically, you have no idea the impact you're having on, on the crime fiction community which just boggles my mind. I am a nobody in Northeast Dallas. I don't matter a hell of beans. And the idea that I'm influencing anything, just, I'm not trying to influence anything, honestly. I just, I know what I like, I know what I don't like, and I'm just telling people what I like. And there's some people that I like incredibly well. There's some other people that, eh, okay. Uh, you know, but I'm not trying to influence anything. And I'm not saying I should be even listened to. And it just boggles my mind that anybody cares. Well, they do. Uh, and they're they're listening right now to this episode. <laughs> so uh, Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> I, I can always check the analytics. There's some proof in the numbers there. Uh, I don't have incredible reach, but I have a very loyal one. And that's uh, so, so Which thanks. Which is awesome. And Th thank you for having me here. I'm, I'm mind boggled you wanted me, but thank you for the opportunity. Much appreciated. Well, the appreciation's all mine. Thanks for being here, Kevin. Uh, folks, check out Kevin's Corner. Uh, if you want to find out if a book is worth listening to, uh, Kevin will be showing up on the feature episodes for the rest of the season. Uh, he's done some great reviews for me uh, in that. Uh, if you want to check out his fiction, Mind Slices is available wherever you can get your uh, digital books. And it's uh, also available in paperback. Uh, Kevin, here's hoping that uh, New Orleans uh, voucher con is a go for you. And I can, uh, uh, since I ducked you at uh, Dallas, then the first beer's on me. <laughs> <laughs> we could be in a corner room hiding from the hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go, folks. Kevin Tipple. And really enjoyed getting a chance to finally talk to him. And so you were all privy to the uh, first time we'd ever spoken in person. Kevin's Corner is a, a very good review site. Uh, a lot of reviews, well-written, thoughtful reviews. So if uh, your book gets reviewed by Kevin, you are in good hands. Uh, check that out. And uh, I also have it on good authority that he'll be involved in a yet to be named Anthology in early 2022. But that's all I'll say about that. Next episode on Wrong Place or Right Crime, we are going to talk to Matt Coyle. So I hope you'll join me for that. No Zafiro update for you this episode, other than to remind you that, uh, hey, Dirty Little Town, River City Book 7 is currently available. I want to say thanks to Kevin for finally coming on the show. And uh, he was uh, kind enough to do some uh, book reviews in that same recording session. Uh, so around February or so, you'll hear from Kevin again uh, through the end of the season. Also want to thank Down Out Books for being a great sponsor. And as always, a hearty thank you to you, the listener. Uh, I hope you find these guests interesting, or at least some of them. Check out Kevin's Corner. Like I said, great reviews. You might find your next favorite author there. Next episode. 
Matt Coyle. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. <laughs>